And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of Canada Hoops. I'm your boy, Maddie. We appreciate your support. Continue to download, like, and share us. Our guest today is a rising star for Canada basketball. She represents British Columbia. She is a former Brookswood Bobcat, North Carolina State Wolfpack, and just finished her first year as a pro in Switzerland. She signed a training camp contract with the Washington Mystics in the WNBA for the upcoming season. She is Aislinn Koenig. Aislinn, thank you for joining us on Canada Hoops. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, Like I said before we recorded, been a fan following your career, and uh, I was looking forward to the conversation. Um, Me too. Yeah, thanks. How How are things? What's this past year been like for you during the pandemic um it has been a crazy ride i mean um on one hand a lot of things that were goals that were in the works were kind of derailed and then on the other hand i am currently sitting here in dc preparing for um a washington mystics training camp so um it's been a lot of ups and downs i guess you could really start it off with um the end of the acc tournament with us winning and me um getting the mvp trophy which is um a great way to end the season but not the way we wanted to end the season right obviously we wanted to go into the ncaa and then in terms of my career i think that ncaa tournament would have been really important for my chances of getting drafted i think that was a lot of the feedback that i got right um so a real high and then a real low um coming into the draft and not getting drafted and then you know kind of a repositioning of goals and then a quick flight over to switzerland so you know and then had a really great eight months there i was really fortunate i was surrounded by very talented players i was on a very good team that was playing euro cup um they're actually heading into finals this week okay for the swiss league so um, you know, if you want to tune in and check them out, it's on YouTube, Swiss right. Basketball, they're Elphick Freeberg, because um, I'll be cheering them on from here. But now, um, just here in D.C., like I said, getting ready, I have sev- exactly one week before camp starts. And you more or less had kind of your first training session today, correct? Yeah, so I finally got to get into the gym today, which was really exciting. Cool. And then is this uh, your first time in D.C.? So. Uh, trying to experience a new city, I guess, uh, as much as you can right now, too. Uh, Yeah, definitely doing some adventuring. NC State is actually not too far away, so I did have the chance to come and uh, walk around the city once or twice, Uh, but this is the first time getting to be here for an extended period of time and really appreciate everything that D.C. has to offer. Well, that's cool. It's been sort of a fun... um fun ride I guess in a sense for you in a busy year despite the pandemic and it's good to hear that uh, you know you've kind of weathered the storm so to speak and 
I know uh, the first year in Switzerland was super uh, successful and um, probably set you up really nice to come get this opportunity in D.C., right? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, Switzerland isn't necessarily considered the strongest league, but L53 Berg is a very well-known team, especially because of Euro Cup. Right. Um, and it never hurts to go undefeated in league play. And then we shook the shook the European basketball world up a little bit by making it to the Elite Eight, which um, was something that had never happened for the club and absolutely nobody expected. I'm sorry if anybody bet on that game. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was a really great opportunity for me to grow as a person, but also to develop my game even further. Awesome. Uh, Aislinn, if we can, let's kind of get into your basketball story i know the game is deep tradition for you and your family did you play other sports as well or was basketball always sort of your your true passion actually i started off playing soccer i was i loved soccer um and i did try to play volleyball but we're gonna pretend like that never happened because i was so bad (laughs) um i was honestly you know i would like to take some of the credit for how bad I was. But at the same time, my coach at the time was telling us to say yours instead of mine. (laughs) So I didn't have a great foundation. But uh, yeah, no, I started in soccer and it was really good. I was actually fairly good at it. And one day my, my parents came to me and they said, listen, we're not sitting out in the rain and the snow anymore. Right. If you want to keep playing, I don't know how you're going to get there, and I don't know who's going to pay for it, but it's not going to be us. And, and they said, so it's time for you to find an indoor sport. Right. We don't care what it is, just something else. Go play chess if you have to, but we're not doing it anymore. Nice. And, you know, I was getting to the point where, you know, being out in the rain and the snow wasn't as fun anymore. Um, so I was like, I was like, you guys kind of have a point here. Maybe it's time that I follow in your footsteps and, um, try out basketball. Well, that's cool. And then, uh, your mom and dad both played in college, correct? Yes. And then your dad, uh, ended up being your coach and coached you on, uh, your AAU team, BC's finest too, right? Actually, they were both my coaches and oh, also cool. my uncle on my mother's side. All three of them. It was a huge family affair. It was a really tough time to be in my household because both my parents were my coaches. So basketball never really stopped. Um, what's that dynamic like to have family members coach you, and especially as you start playing at a higher level? Is it is it tough to separate the two in terms of, coach and coach and father or mother or uncle it definitely is um and you know i don't think that it's like that for everyone to that extent but for us it was more than just my parents and my uncle it was my aunts and my grandmother my grandfather it was everybody like they still have a group chat oh my goodness that Every time I play, they're just in it. And I told my parents that I'm not, I'm never going to be a part of that group chat because it's not good for me. Like I can't <laughs> have like hundreds of messages of them all critiquing me the entire time. Um, you know, and basketball was really a passion more so than just a sport for us. So we would come in the house and we would talk about basketball at dinner and we'd watch basketball on TV and we'd do that. And it, and you know, 
it was difficult at times, especially being a headstrong, opinionated teenager who thinks that they're they're really great. Right. <laughs> so um, I was a huge headache for my parents, but um, definitely had some bumpy goes of it, but it turned out pretty good. Well, absolutely. And then um, just kind of follow that up. You know, you're you're a young hooper. You're loving the game and, and working at your game. Who did you look up to on the basketball court and whose game did you really like? Um, actually, another Canadian was like a god in our household, Steve Nash. Sure. My dad and Steve actually knew each other in high school. Cool. And my dad will be the first to say he won't say that they were friends, but they definitely played basketball together. Yeah. And um, so growing up being a point guard, it was like everything every story my dad had steve was in it every single time and i actually had the chance to work out with him a couple of times at sfu and i remember the first time i met him this is the first and only time i've ever been starstruck i walked up to him and i started shaking his hand i introduced myself and he goes what position do you play and at this point um I was tall and athletic. I started at point guard, but sometimes I had to post up. So I literally just kept shaking his hand and I said, everything. <laughs> and and he kept and he's like, Oh, that's cool. And I didn't stop shaking his hand. And he looks at my dad and my dad goes, I don't know. <laughs> like, right. He goes, Okay, let's go work out. I said, Yeah, okay. So um we um we worked out actually in the same gym, not necessarily together on opposite sides and then we were actually on a trip as a family up to Prince George okay and my parents I was sleeping in the back seat because we leave super early and my parents got a call and it was Steve saying he wanted to work out with me in an actual workout not just like in the gym together and we were halfway to Prince George and my parents actually thought about turning around that's a 10-hour trip no kidding. And and they never told me that until I was much older, already in university, and I still cried. <laughs> well, I know uh, Steve gets referenced a lot on Canada Hoops as one of the, you know, players that a lot of people look up to, and you being a point guard makes a lot of sense. And I, I think I came across something where, you know, you've been referenced as sort of the female Steve Nash out of Canada, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that is a complete honor. Although I would have to say before that can really stick, I should probably uh, do a little bit more with my career professionally, and then we can revisit that title maybe. Well, uh, like I said, I think you're on your way, and, uh, you know, time will tell. So, you know, the support is there from the community and uh, Canada basketball fans alike for sure. Um Let's get into Brookswood. Uh, your time in high school at Brookswood was uh, truly special, and you led Brookswood to three consecutive 3A provincial titles, and you were named the MVP all three times, the first player in the history of the tournament to do that. Were you, at that time, Aislinn, aware how special you know, your high school career was shaping up to be, or were you kind of not too phased by it and just being more of a regular kid? Um. That is a complicated answer to give because on one side, I was very aware of how excited everybody was about it. But for my part and in my household, it was always about the next step where this was going to take me getting to university, getting a scholarship. So 
Um, I and I was surrounded by a lot of amazing people who did a wonderful job of um, you know keeping me humble and allowing me to be a kid at the same time. Right. So um, I I was aware that it was special, but it wasn't so much in the sense that this is really special to me. It was more in the sense that this is really special to the game of basketball. And it was a pride thing of continuing that type of performance as opposed to doing it for my own pride, I guess I would say. Um, And I did, I, you know, I still, my best friends were on the team with me. I played AU. My family all came to watch all the time. So it was really more of a community thing for sure for me than it was a personal thing. Well, and to follow that up, and you may have seen this article, but recently uh, Howard Samur, a well-known sports writer who covers basketball in BC, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you know Howard, listed you as the fourth best female player of all time to come out of BC. Excuse me. And you followed up the likes of Teresa Gabriel, Bev, and Kim Smith. I mean, what, is, what does that mean to get mentioned in that group? I mean, that is... To be already mentioned in that group with how young I am is something that is a huge honor for sure. I I love Howard. Howard has been around my entire career, always kind of, right. um, well, first of all, very upfront in the high school part, but he still covered me a little bit um, going on into university. So um, to lots of respect there for him. And honestly, that... You know, lists like that are always really, really difficult to kind of give value to because it's the rankings are really arbitrary to like people's personal opinions. So, um, you know, I'm super honored to be that high up and to be in such great company. Um, And for sure, you know, hopefully that only continues. I can continue to earn that spot as I can go on in my career. But I know that 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 whole article kind of was a little bit of an uproar uh, in the basketball world in BC for sure. Well, and a couple episodes ago, I had Levon Kendall join us and Mm -hmm. I asked Levon the same question because they had the men's uh, ranking, so to speak, come out right around the same time as the women's. And, uh, you know, for example, Levon was omitted and I was kind of, you know, blown away by that so uh when you were coming on i wanted to kind of make reference because yeah rankings are like you said maybe not too relevant but i just thought it was incredible that you were placed so high and your resume through uh, your time in in high school in bc speaks for itself and um i'm curious with kim smith being quote unquote number one have you had you must have had an opportunity to connect with kim smith now through uh Canada basketball and have a bit of a relationship with her? Yeah, of course. Um, She is definitely a mentor when it comes to Canada basketball. Um, She is still with the team and um, a really great person and basketball mind, somebody who is um, a very kind and warm person all the time, makes it really easy to, um, you know, to listen to her and to follow her. For sure. Uh, and just to kind of sum up high school and then you're playing your summers with BC's finest, um, how instrumental was that, you know, time with that club and that, that time in the summer for your, your development and, and, you know, really putting you forward to, you know, get more recruiting? Um, 
to be completely honest, I'd have to say that without BC's finest in AU basketball, none of this would have happened in the right. first place. Right. Um, back Canada basketball is developing and it's becoming stronger and better. But unfortunately, when looking for a scholarship, you're competing against people across the border. Right. And if you never play against them, it's really hard to prepare. It's really hard to compare yourself and um, even harder to get noticed because um, people don't want to do a whole lot of extra work if they don't want to. So coming to Canada to watch games, to watch maybe one or two players as opposed to being able to go to a tournament where you can watch a couple hundred players, right. it doesn't have the same amount of value. So um, I was super, super fortunate to have a family that was willing to dedicate themselves to my success and the success of a lot of other girls. I mean, I think there was a year where every single girl who um, graduated from high school that played with us got a scholarship wow. in the United States or in Canada. So, you know, it was completely, it completely changed the course of not only my life, but definitely I could say a lot of um, my friends from high school and the girls who played with me. So um, being able to do that, having that type of investment into uh, my career was um, was honestly, there's no way to give words to how instrumental that was to my success. No, well put. Um, so what was your recruitment process like uh, for you as you were getting ready to play at the next level and, and what kind of offers were you looking at? Um, I think that I had contact with over a hundred schools okay. um, from all different uh, leagues and divisions. Um, it eventually worked its way down to being Stanford and NC State. Okay. Um, but I had many offers from the Pac-12, some from the SEC, a couple from the Big Ten, Big 12, and a few in the ACC as well. But um, it came down to those two schools. And I, for me, it was really important that I was really um, realistic with what I wanted and um, made a decision not quickly, but smartly. So for me, it was like, I remember very vividly this call. And, you know, I'm sure Iowa is a wonderful school and I will never say anything bad about it. But I personally cannot live in Iowa. No doubt. So I, I had this phone call with them and they called me and they said, you know, hey, this is Iowa. We would like to um, start recruiting you. How do you feel about that? And I sat there and I said, to be completely honest, it is wonderful to meet you. And I really appreciate your interest, but I can't live in Iowa. Right. And, and the coach go, sighs and goes, we get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And that was that call. But for me, that was something that was really important to um, know exactly what I wanted and not to get distracted by the things that weren't necessarily as important. You know, you go to a lot of these schools and they try and wow you and they do those things. So I didn't want to do a lot of official visits. I didn't want to have my experience and my decision be diluted um, by the glam of the world of Division One basketball. Right. So I only took my two official visits to Stanford and NC State, and I went to Stanford first. And um, that is an amazing school. I mean, the campus, the people, the prestige, all of it is wow, like everything. And I remember I was sitting in the hotel room with my mom, and 
we ordered room service and it was the first time in my life I had ever ordered room service. Wow. And it came in and we had ordered so much because they said, just go for it. Right. So we had ordered a bunch and my mom was over there looking and said, Oh, look at this. Like Brownie, look at this. And she turned around and I was sitting on the bed and I was crying. And I was like, mom, we're here. We did it. Right. It, we, we've done it like in that. And so, and then we ate chocolate cake and cried together and it was wonderful. But, um, and so I left Stanford going, there is no way that NC state's going to be able to compare to this. No way. And, and I was like, but I still have to take the visit. I, I have to compare. So I took my visit and with it, and I only went to NC state was only there for 34 hours, I think. Okay. 30, and you're allowed 48. And it was just, I had exams and I had came from a tournament and all this stuff. And I got on campus and within two hours, I knew that was where I needed to be. Cool. And I went home after that thing and I was, I got out this big paper, very cinematic, big paper, big marker and wrote down pros and cons and stamp and all this stuff. Right. I'm sitting there and I'm writing a list. And the list for NC State pros is just growing and growing and growing. And Stanford has its pros and not really a lot of cons, but it just can't keep up. And I'm sitting there and my dad comes up behind me and I'm sitting on the couch and he goes, you already know where you need to be. I don't know why you're wasting your time. So again, very cinematically and probably too dramatically, I ripped up the paper and threw it out and I called Coach Moore right there and I committed. So that the process for me was pretty smooth sailing um, and something that I, I did very strategically from the beginning. Well, flat out, that is the best recruiting story we've ever heard on Canada Hoops. Nobody's going to top that. I love that story. <laughs> so I appreciate you sharing that. That's a great, that's a great story. Um, well, you accomplished a lot at NC State and you're, you know, a celebrated, uh, Wolfpack, and you helped lead your team to three NCAA tournament appearances with back-to-back Sweet 16 appearances. And as you mentioned, you were the ACC tournament MVP last year in your senior season, and you hold the record for made threes in a single season with 93. Uh, Well accomplished. What do you take away the most from your time at NC State and both on and off the floor? Um, It was a really crazy four years, but I think from both sides, from life and from basketball, um, the biggest lesson that I learned as a person would have to be um, work ethic and um, commitment. You know, I think that's something we see a lot now with the transfer portal and all this, that people aren't really willing to commit when it gets tough. Now, I'm not going to speak for everybody. Obviously, there's definitely people out there who are in bad situations. But I think we can all agree that there is a lot of transfers happening right now. And there's not. And sometimes you just have to grit it out. And I think for me, that was the thing. Because um, this was a conversation I had with Coach Moore. When he came into my home visit um, in Surrey, and he came and visited us. He right. goes, I want to win an ACC championship. And I want you to help me do it. Cool. I think you're the person we need to do it. Cool. And and I told him, 
I want to do that too. Let's do it. And, you know, four years of work and butting heads and maybe not the best situations, injuries, um, weight gain, weight loss, like bad losses, great wins. Right. We ended up doing it. We won an ACC championship, the first in 29 years. Wow. And, you know, that is some, that is probably the most cherished part of that. Yes, we won the champ. Yes, I got MVP. Cool. But what really resonated with me was the fact that I stuck with this in this place with these people. I committed to them for four years. And in those four years, because we all worked super hard, because we were all very determined and goal oriented and had a vision, we were able to accomplish something that seemed near impossible when I committed. And that is really something that I took away on both sides of basketball, non-basketball, growing as a person. It's interesting you bring up the transfer portal and not to get away from your stuff too much here. Um, I know it's a hot topic and I think that's a good teaching point you're bringing up is, you know, you worked through adversity, ups and downs and stuck it out. And now a lot of players are, are quick to leave a program because things are getting hard and it's not what they thought it would be. And now they're not working it out. And I think it's disappointing, I, you know, as a, as a program, it's got to be frustrating. Um, I think younger players are lacking a little bit of, um, you know, toughness in that sense. So, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. And, you know, Coach Wes Moore said this about you, Aislinn. He said, Ace is the rare talent that makes everyone around her better and raises the entire team's level of play. I mean, that's high praise, and that doesn't get much better from your coach. And I think, you know, your four years is well summed up by that. Yeah, I mean, um, to speak on the first thing about the transfer portal, I think right. on it's both sides of the coin. One side, you have athletes who are expecting to be rewarded maybe without working enough for those rewards. Right. But also I think on the other side of the coin, you have um, programs that aren't appreciating taking the time to develop and um, caring about their athletes. It's becoming, as you see it, with everything that's going on, it's almost that the NCAA is trying to work more like a business. And when you get money involved, you get all these stuff involved, it starts to dilute um, the connection and the relationships you have with each other. And I think that more so than anything is the, is the biggest issue is that people are not willing to commit to each other. And, you know, coaches are very quick to recruit over players as opposed to developing them. And obviously that has its merits and sometimes it needs to be done. Um, but on the same side, athletes are seeing this and going, well, if you're not going to do this for me, why would I do it for you? And I think you get this weird uh, disconnect there. So on that side, I think it's a little bit two-sided. Um, we like to say as athletes, it's a business. You can't take it personally. Right. And um, I, I just, I wish that there was a better connect happening. There was more because even though me and Coach Moore definitely had our goes at each other, we bugged heads and everything. Um, I knew for a fact that that man would fight to the death for me. And that was what made me willing to stay and play and do all those things. So, um, you know, that, that connection is what made 
what you said there, his trust in me, his appreciation of me that much better because I know that no matter what, that he respected me both as a person and as a player and he cared a lot about um, my goals and what I was accomplishing. So actually I had never heard that quote before. Um, so that was really nice to hear. Right. Um, but again, like I think when you really take the opportunity and to say, okay, we're going to do this together and it doesn't matter what happens. We're in it. We're doing it. I'm not going to leave you. You're not going to leave me. I think it can create that really special bond. Well said. And I think that, uh, you being a point guard, uh, those words, uh, really ring true. I think that's what, you know, you need from that position. So I thought that was really cool. And just, uh, one last question in terms of NCAA, did you get an opportunity to see much of the uh, tournament this year? Um, not really. I have to admit Switzerland, not an easy place to watch basketball. Um, I did steal, um, a teammate's like, like ESPN stuff for a while to try and watch it, but I eventually got booted off. So I actually watched a lot of this stuff through like FaceTime (laughs) with my mom. Um, and that, and then, you know, keeping up with live scores and stuff. So I didn't actually get to watch it all that much, but um, you know, I was still definitely supporting my wolf back. Yeah. And I thought, um, just a quick point, like in Canada, TSN was doing an excellent job of showing uh, a lot of the women's tournament and, um, the women's tournament was outstanding, great games, great matchups, um, you know, high profile players really, uh, performing. So I know a lot of fans were really hooked and, um, you know, really enjoyed the tournament and it was great to see you know, the women's tournament get a lot of love. I thought that was great. Yeah, Uh, of course. And, you know, people I think are going to disagree with me on this, but as a fan of basketball, as well as a player, watching the women's game is so much more rewarding. Well, I love how fundamentally correct, you know, that, you know, the women's game is, and that really shows. And I think, you know, there's a lot of great teaching points there and uh, it's a good product and I'm a fan and, you know, I'll always support it. No doubt. Um, so you leave NC state, turn pro first year in Switzerland, like we've mentioned, um, you know, led the team to an 18, 0 18 and 0 record and ultimately winning a championship. Um, how would you describe your first year as a pro uh, on and off the floor? Just experiences. I always say this, everybody asks me, cause you hear a lot of horror stories about people going overseas and having an awful time. My first year as a professional could not have gone any better at all. I um, had a teammate from UNC who, um, despite being rivals in college, we're professionals now and now we're best friends, (laughs) Um, you know. So she, um, I had really great teammates, Taylor Coonan from UNC, um, and then some very talented Swiss players. My coaches over there are very knowledgeable. I would praise uh, Roman as being one of the um, most technically sound coaches I've ever played for. Okay. Um, and he's a very, I would count him as one of my friends. He's a very fun person. So we got along really well. 
Um, we had no drama. We had nothing. I'm in Switzerland. It's beautiful. I'm in the Alps. They have vegan chocolate there. Who would have known? Nice. And, you know, and I got to live a really beautiful life while I was over there. And it's hard to get much better than, you know, playing basketball twice a day and then filling the hours in between by getting coffee or drinks with teammates and friends. What, uh, you know, with that first season as a pro behind you, what advice, you know, would you give to another player as she looks to turn pro and start her career? That's a good question. So I will base my answer a little bit off of the stories of other people. Right. Um, be adventurous. Nice. And, and don't, don't stress too much. I mean, you, you're going to another country. I'm fortunate because I'm fluent in French and I was in a French area of Switzerland, but you're going to most likely be in a country where you don't speak the language, where they're going to put weird food in front of you, where um, you're going to be brought outside your comfort zone over and over again. And, um, you know, I had some teammates while I was there who were American who, you know, didn't, didn't really want to try stuff, didn't want to do it. And it really limited the amount of fun they could have. And then you have, people like me and Taylor who are like, okay, let's do it. I don't know what this is, but I'm going to eat it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. um, be adventurous because the more that you're willing to try, the more open-minded you are to things, the more fun you're going to have. And yes, the basketball is important, but it's real easy to get miserable when you're that far away from your friends and family if you're not having fun. So you need to find the ways to have fun. And maybe it's going to bring you up. Maybe you're going to eat something and you're going to, never know what it is ever and nobody will explain it to you because they don't know how and maybe you're going to you're going to have to be in a strange country and you're going to be talking to somebody and they're just going to be yelling at you and you're just going to and you're going to be like i have no idea what you're saying but it's okay (laughs) you know and you have to be excited to go into those situations or else it becomes really hard do you think having that uh, open mind and you know willing to have fun and be adventurous do you think that translated on the floor too and maybe helped your game a little bit and just maybe relaxed you as well absolutely because you're not you're sleeping better at night and you're not always missing home and it's not miserable to be on the floor you get on the floor and it's fun and you're laughing with people and you're joking you're doing all these things and I think that really enables you to be your best player because you don't have to stress about life really the life is beautiful you get paid they pay your taxes for you. They pay for your apartment. They pay for your travel. You're really on like this all expensive paid vacation where you have to play basketball. Like that's a pretty great deal. So if you can find the joy in life outside of the basketball, the basketball just becomes like the 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 added extra. Of, I get to play a game for a living. So I think it really helps. Well, that's great insight. And we appreciate you sharing that. And then of course, your success this season in Switzerland led you to getting a training camp co- contract with the Washington Mystics. Um, you know, was the NBA a focus for you as you started off in Switzerland, or was your thinking more of, you know, if I just play well this season, uh, the team has success, the rest will take care of itself? Um, the WNBA was always a goal in the back of my head. It's been a goal in the back of my head since I was uh, like 12 years old. So it definitely was um, a focal point. Now, whether or not, I don't think it was like 
in my day-to-day it wasn't constantly like hanging over me because at the same way I was saying you can't stress thinking about that constantly is going to stop you from being able to focus and play well so for me it was a big picture it was take care of the things that you can take care of be the best player you can be be the best person you can be and you'll be rewarded and the, and the goal is that eventually that you get back to the WNBA, but for now let's focus on what's right here in front of us. Right. And I think that actually really helped me um, play well, but also um, stay focused. Great stuff. And then, um, you know, as you're entering camp now with the Mystics, what are you looking to show the team, you know, with respect to your game? Um. You know, I think that something that everybody can agree on is I can shoot. So oh, I'm not no, too no. worried. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too <laughs> I'm not too worried about that one. Right. Um, but I think, you know, something I need to show them that I can play defense, that I can um be that intangible player that Coach Moore was talking about in that quote. I make people better, play hard, be a fun person to be around, you know, be a great teammate. I think all of those things are the intangibles that really um, that really make playing in the WNBA easier in the sense of longevity. I think great talent is always going to get a shot, right? Um, but I would like to be here for a very long time. So in order to continue and have a career in the WNBA, I think I need to be able to demonstrate the type of person I am and um my work ethic to really make that a that happen well i have no doubt you're going to make an impact and uh, get a great opportunity and i know a lot of the canadian basketball community is uh, looking forward to seeing that and and uh, are right behind you with tons of support um, hazelin on canada hoops we like to talk about canada basketball especially with people who have been a part of the program and you've already enjoyed success playing with Canada, specifically with the U19 team and winning bronze at the 2017 World Cup, where you also knocked down a record 10 three-pointers against Latvia, because that's what shooters do. Um, has representing Canada been, you know, a true highlight in your rising career so far? It has. I started playing with Team Canada at 14. Right. So two years after I started playing basketball. So Team Canada has been a part of my basketball journey almost since the beginning. And um, something for me that um, made Team Canada super special was uh, I come from immig- a family of immigrants. Right. My, my grandfather on my mom's side is the only one who was born in Canada. His wife is from Hong Kong and my dad's parents are from Austria and the Netherlands. So to play, then they all decide to come to Canada and build a life here. So to play for the national team and to see my Chinese grandmother be so proud and ecstatic and my grandfather moved to tears and all this stuff is something that um, is super moving and important for me because it's almost like you know you guys came here and you built this and this is what Canada has to offer and um that you know I'm not going to try and get too emotional here but that uh that is super super special so the pride that comes with wearing Canada across my chest has a lot to do with my my skill but even more to do 
um, with the legacy of my family and everything they've sacrificed for me. So it's for sure something that has molded my game, but also me as a person over the last uh, eight years now. Right. No, it's, um, that's a great, uh, you know, reflection. And I know that's a, a common theme for a lot of players where they just, you know, they want to represent their family and then Canada's given a lot of people a better opportunity. And, um, you know, it, it's, you know, it's a special moment for players. And now you're moving on, you're playing with the, the senior national team. You did a, a tour with them in 2019. And you were also invited as one of the 20 players to attend the virtual training camp this winter uh, for the national team. I'm curious, um, you know, what the message was from Coach Tomitis and her coaching staff, uh, you know, in the in the training camp and, um, you know, what a lot of the discussion was about. Um, a lot of that was focusing on um, growing as a team. It's right. really, we can't all get on the court because we're all, the entire team basically was overseas in different countries playing. Right. Um, and that makes it a little bit difficult because, you know, like for Switzerland, they had like every couple of weeks, they would have like a national team like meet up or whatever. And I had teammates on there that would all go. And, um, you know, so we didn't have that opportunity to get together as a team, but it was really focusing on making the best of what we could do. So it was lots of film breakdown and talking about our team purpose and preparing mentally um, for Tokyo, because ultimately that is always what we're shooting for. How do we get to a podium in Tokyo? So um, it was a lot of team building, a lot of, uh, of film breakdown and most of all, trying to make the best of what we can do in such a crazy time. Well, that's great. And I think it's important that, um, you know, the program gives new and, you know, rising players the opportunity to come in at the senior level to contribute, you know, and I'm looking forward to seeing you, uh, you know, make the roster and head to Tokyo. I think that um, the program is ready for you. And, you know, I think you're going to make a splash. Um, I want to talk about the Mad Love campaign. And, uh, you know, as you are well aware, Canada Basketball launched the Mad Love campaign a few months ago. And uh, just kind of timing-wise, I think yours kind of came out yesterday on social media. And so um, I thought your Mad Love message to a younger you was especially great. Uh, how important is that campaign just with respects to, you know, inspiring the next generation of young girls and women? Um, you know, I think that right now we're seeing kind of an epidemic of girls quitting sports. Right. And as a professional athlete who's done it, I understand. I mean, it is not easy. It is not, um, you're never going to get the accolades the guys get. You're never going to um, be given the attention you deserve. You're going to be written off. And like in my letter, you know, it's never really taken seriously for women. Right. You know, I know people who have made a career of over 10 years professionally playing basketball as a female athlete. And somehow it's still, oh, so like, when are you going to like go and get a job? And, you know, you're like, well, I've been working all this time already. So, um, I, I get it. There's a lack of appreciation and visibility for young girls. And that's why we have this issue of a lot of girls deciding that it's just not worth it. 
And I think this campaign is really, really special um, in the sense that it not only is showing them that they matter, but it is showing them that um, in the end it's worth it. And um, despite what people are going to tell you, despite the challenges you might face, um, your dreams as an athlete are valid and deserve to be chased just as hard as anything else. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, the campaign was tremendous and I thought the messaging behind it was, uh, you know, it really resonated with me. I'm a proud uh, girl dad and I thought, you know, the support from the community is obvious. I think true followers of the program, um, players like yourself really understand it. So, you know, shout out to Canada basketball and shout out to you, Aislinn, and everyone else who uh, contributed. And if people... Our Canada Hoops listeners uh, want to see more of what we're talking about. It's hashtag mad love. Um, you know, you'll see everybody's stories, letters to themselves, and then the important messaging that's there. Um, Aislinn, do you have a top five of all time for Canada basketball? Top five all time Canada basketball. Well, okay, well, he doesn't really count, but like you have to put Naismith there, right? You have to. Okay, hold on. Nobody has ever said that, and this will be ni- this will be nineteen episodes, so we're putting that in there. Doctor James Naismith, number one. Like, I love. He it. has to be. He created the game. You can't not give it to him. We're giving him a spot. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure he like if he created. He had to have been awesome. He he was probably nuts, just crossing people up and everything. The original Steve Nash. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. obviously Steve Nash following that. Okay. Have to give it out to him. Thank you for that sweaty handshake. Um, <laughs> and then I have to say, hmm, who would be next? Andrew Wiggins. I'd put Andrew Wiggins there. Okay. Just because um, seeing a Canadian kid get his own shoe and yeah. watching all of that happen, I, I actually wore his shoes for like an AU season. I think right. our whole team got Andrew Wiggins shoes because we were sponsored by Adidas. So right. um, that was pretty amazing. And then I have two more spots left. Two more spots. I think I would have to, I have to put Kim up there. Yeah. Um, you know, just being the role model. And I remember being young before I was even close to being on the senior team or anything. I was in a gym watching them practice and she was there and uh, right. she took, the time to come up and talk to me and my mom and say everything. And, um, you know, so Kim has to be up there and then, Ooh, all time. I have one more spot, one more spot. And if you need another for like a six man, six woman, then uh, we can do that too. <laughs> um, okay. So then I would probably say the next one has to be key a nurse okay. because, um, Again, another huge moment for female Canadian basketball players to watch her at UConn. I think that was a huge moment. And if you think about it, really a tipping point in in college basketball for um, for women's athletes. I think she went out and did it at such a high level that all of a sudden all the other coaches were going, oh, where do we find a Canadian? You know, so right, um, right. so I think that would go there and. Uh, I don't know about a sixth man. There's just too many, too many options. We're going to keep it at five. I like it. Uh, that's a great five. And that 
You got two in there that nobody has ever said, Dr. James Naismith and Kim Smith. Shout out, Kim. I think she just became a mom, didn't she? She did, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, congratulations to the Goche family. Yeah, no doubt. And the uh, Smith family. Yeah, and um, while this has been a great episode, uh, any shout-outs or thank yous, Aislinn, before we let you go? Um. Okay, I do have one. Um. Gotta keep it with the Canadian. Shout out to Neil Brown. Okay. Coach Neil Brown from Brookswood. Yeah. Um, because he was a great coach and a great teacher and a great friend. And I probably need to answer his text messages and emails better. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving him this shout out here and I hope he hears it. I love you, Coach Brown. That's awesome. Well, Aislin, uh, we really appreciate you joining us on Canada Hoops. We wish you much success in Washington and with Canada basketball this summer. You'll always be a friend of Canada Hoops. Much love to you, Aislinn. Thank you. It was awesome. No doubt. That wraps up another episode of Canada Hoops. I want to thank Aislinn Ace Koenig for pulling up. Thank you for continuing to download, like, and share us. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Until next time, I'm your boy, Matty. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoop.